coming up next on the Passionately Married podcast. Uh, You know, I'm looking out for me, but I also want for you what you want. So I think it takes a perspective that um, cares about the spouse, cares about what they want. Um, And and it, it makes me feel good when you get what you want. And I can be help be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But I also enjoy when I get what I want, too. <laughs> it's bo- yeah, because it's, it's the one thing that's a pitfall about the win-win to me is it's exchange-based in some regards. It is. Pam, did you know how um, the vibrator came to be an electric device? Have you heard the history lesson associated with this? No, I don't know this. So in the late 1800s, there was actually a medical diagnosis for women that was called hysteria. So the symptoms included anxiety, nervousness, and sexual desire. In other words, it sounded like they were walking around fairly horny in a lot of ways. Sexual nervousness? (laughs) Okay. So a pair of prominent physicians estimated that actually three-quarters of American women were at risk. So they would then go to... They use the word risk, okay. So then they would go to the doctor where he would provide a treatment called the pelvic massage. Okay, you with me so far? I'm with you. So the prescription was of a clitoral orgasm, was a treatment for hysteria, and it actually dates back even before that. Some medical texts uh, refer to the first century AD as a prescription that would be used for this. So healthy massage was used to achieve what doctors called paroxysm, and it's the treatment by these doctors. Well, hold on. But the treatment by the doctors, would actually make them quite tired. The doctors tired? Yes, it would, because it was sure. lots and lots of women were coming in for this treatment. And so it was Joseph Mortimer Granville. He had the genius idea and invented a device that did the hard labor for the doctors in the early 1880s. Okay? So he invented the first electromechanical pleasure probe vibration therapy, and it became hugely popular. So by the turn of the century, needlework catalogs actually advertised models for women who wanted to try the treatment at home, thus making the vibrator the fifth electrical appliance to arrive in the home after the sewing machine, the fan, the tea kettle, and the toaster. Really? Really. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, That's amazing. <laughs> and then the legitimacy of the medical device declined after the 1920s when Freud correctly identified paroxysm as sexual and in the 1952 American Psychiatric Association dropped hysteria from its list of recognized conditions. And then it just became what it's now known as today. So <laughs> That's funny. Well, welcome to Passionately Married, where history lessons, all right after we get started, right when we get started today, <laughs> where I, we're having great conversations as, as this one has. Hopefully everybody learns something as we go through the day today. Everything has an origin. It's interesting to know the origins, but to to have that be the fifth yeah. thing into that, yeah. yeah okay. it, that's it, beautiful. It, it makes sense in some ways, but then it's also like incredible. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we're like, really? That's kind of common sense. But, so if you got some not. feedback for our show or something we've missed, let us know, 214-702-9565 or feedback at passionatelymarried.net. Coming up today on the regular free version of the Passionately Married podcast is some feedback we got from the episodes 610 and 611, if I'm remembering right, where a guy, um, a listener has emailed in and given feedback on all of the segments. And so, and quite okay. involved and, and very good. And so this is just going to help frame some dialogue. And then I'm going to build on, 
on it towards the end. Okay. And then on the extended content today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe at passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy. We're going to look at the sexual styles. There's three sexual styles that Schnarch proposed. And we're going to walk through what are the three? Are any of them better than the other? Should we have something that we're striving for? You know, all of that is coming up on today's show. Sounds good. So right out the gate, and this is an email that from the same gentleman all the way through. So okay. this is, I thought you handled the issue regarding the porn struggle and the disclosure to the spouse that your advice was good overall. Right. So that's, okay. that's the two episodes from 610 and 611. The advice regarding his motives for disclosing was especially important. You added the following week that there's always great possibility that the non-disclosure will most likely be discovered by the spouse, which is an important caveat for the non-disclosing spouse to discuss and to consider. However, I think it's very important to consider the best ways in which to disclose any infidelity in marriage, whatever it may be, that if it's going to be impactful, because this is my own little caveat here, all the stuff that we do that could impact our partner, we have to recognize can come out. And so being open yeah. about that and figuring out ways to bring them in on that is an important thing to yeah. consider yeah. and also a path towards intimacy. So one must always consider what is best for the relationship. Sometimes that might be a rip the bandaid off approach, but other times it may involve the help of professionals or clergy who can be there to help rebuild after the bomb is dropped, which I think is a fantastic framework because sometimes when we do have some things that we know are going to be impactful. How can I come up with a way that I've got some support for myself and my, and my spouse? Sure, sure. Right? Because I think it's important for everybody to realize it's messy when we have to deal with our own issues, our own struggles, uh, and how they will then impact our partner. Yeah, so bringing a trusted third party to kind of be there with you yep. during that. Yeah, yep. okay. And I'll add as a professional, if you have a... In mind, I want to seek out some therapy to do that. Give them a heads up. <laughs> Give the professional some heads up. Don't surprise them with right, it. Right, because then you could have two people that are taken aback. And then it's really easy just as a professional to take sides. Sure. Because you can get out. I mean, I'll, I'll own it. A lot of emotion can sway my allegiance, even though I do everything I can to not. Sure. But we are human. Mm -hmm. And clergy is human. Mm -hmm. And so there's an element of recognizing as you go through this, this is important to realize what am I using so that it's pro-marriage, it's pro-building our relationship, it's pro-both of us having a chance to make a choice sure. and seek what it is we want. Well, and this third party, I mean, no matter who you're dealing with, whether it's telling your spouse, a third party, whatever, that's going to help that help walk you through that, everybody is subject to their initial reactions. And sometimes our initial reactions are not the best <laughs> thing, right? right. So. Any of us, if we've got time to think through something, especially if you're bringing in a, a third party to help you in this journey, mm -hmm. um, giving them some time to seek counsel. If you're talking clergy or someone like that, given, give them some time to seek counsel on what's the best route to help with this as well. Absolutely. Because the therapist may actually, or the clergy may actually want to, I want to meet with you one-on-one -on -one first. Let's talk through this yeah. and let's game plan it. Because yeah. again, that's the idea of we're moving things so that they have the potential of a better relationship, mm -hmm. not to to go back to 610, not to just unburden yourself. Right. Because that's the biggest dilemma that happens. Yeah. So then he keeps going. I think your advice to the guy who's struggling did not go far enough, though. And this is to the husband that's actually struggling with the pornography issue. Okay. 
Yes, by all means, enlist others besides his wife to help. But while accountability partners can help manage unwanted behavior, this will not help him get to the root of the issue, which is why he keeps struggling with the porn. Are you familiar with the book Unwanted by Jay Stringer? He's a Christian therapist in Pacific Northwest. If not, check him out. His approach is to get curious about our sexual fantasies and unwanted sexual behaviors as a way of discovering the sore spots from our early life that have never been healed. He talks about how accountability alone, along with all the other tricks people try to use when they're struggling with unwanted sexual behavior as lust management is a particular example, which he says never really works in the long run. As someone who's worked in the faith community for many years and is privy to people's struggles, I tend to agree. So, Yes, we're familiar with Jay Stringer. He was on episode 588 um, in the archives when we were Sexy Marriage Radio a couple, you know, last year. And I agree. The whole concept of what the Christian world has come into play a lot of times to detriment of people in a lot of ways, and I don't think it's intended, but the idea of let's squash desire, let's manage lust as a way of sanctifying ourselves is a, short, is a short-lived path. It doesn't, it doesn't last in the long run. It turns into willpower. Okay. Almost. It turns into the analogy I think of, um, this is used in a different context, but when I'm thinking of unwanted behaviors, um, I use the framework of the, the rider, the elephant, and the path. Are you familiar with this framework no. before? Okay. No, so, I'm not. Um, you think of it as the rider is our willpower. It's our choice. It's, it's our rationality in some, in some ways. That's a bit of a loose, but it's really our willpower. Okay. Right? The elephant is our emotions, or in this case, our behaviors, our addictions, our things that we do and we act upon. And then the, the path is our environment. It's our surroundings. And so obviously, a life well lived most of the time is the elephant working in tandem with the rider and staying on the path. Okay. But as you're going along in life, if the elephant gets spooked by something in the environment, ain't nothing that rider's going to do to make it not go where it wants to go. And that's what happens a lot of times with willpower is we don't realize our willpower is incredibly weak (laughs) over long periods of stretches of time. Okay. And so this is important to do the heavy lifting work to look back at, okay, what am I really seeking out with these behaviors? We actually have an episode coming up uh, in, in, in the queue on this particular subject, on pornography and dealing with healing and recovery too. So we're saying that willpower can get stronger or no. just that our, okay. I'm saying most of the time. Okay. Let me speak from my experience in this. Okay. Um, I don't know if we've ever had this conversation, so here we go. This could be kind All of right. interesting. Um, when I was in the real throes of the struggle of, of the addiction of the constantly going back to pornography, cause I would have the regular cycle, which a lot of people have had yeah. of, uh, it's discovered or you come clean and you rededicate and you have a time where it's good. And then you relapse and then you start all over and then you add time to good and you relapse. And, and so anytime I'm on that whole, okay, this cycle, I'm done with it. And I can, for a while, I have great energy. There's no problem. Stay away. I deal with the path real well, my environment real well. But then I'm tired or I'm stressed or I'm emotional or I'm disappointed in something with us or my life or, oddly enough for me, when something was a real success. 
I would then sabotage myself. Interesting. Uh, there would be okay. more temptation in my path, in my emotions, and my willpower could go, you know what? No, go away. Don't do that. And it, that works for a time, but eventually that just gets tired. And it's like, ah, screw it. <laughs> and you're back to it. Hmm. And that's, okay. that's a simplification of the process, but that's what we all do. It's the same thing with dieting. It's the same thing with anything we want to do where it's like, you know what? I don't consciously choose the path. I just give in. That's willpower's problem. Because okay. I can't always white knuckle it. Okay. Particularly when it's rough. That's where the accountability helps. That's where there's, it's the whole system that I want to have in place. Okay. That really does help because you do need to get to what's it underneath, right? Because mm-hmm. what I found was I still have deep in there um, this whole loneliness feeling from the latchkey kid world and from just parenting, you know, family of origin stuff. Yeah. And so I can have times of that where it's like, boom, I'm all of a sudden a little kid again and I'm alone. And now it's like, okay, if I'm smart enough and I've done the work like I have now, I see that and realize, all right, I don't need to medicate from this. I don't need to escape this. I can turn towards it actually. And I'm better off. Yeah. And we're better off. Yeah. And then that creates better trust and that creates better relationship. And then also creates a possibility that you can pay, create a podcast together. And 11 and a half years later, you tell your wife what the whole route's been like. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so that's great thoughts. I love it. As I look back through our life together for 29 years now, Pam. Yeah. Um, there are lots of seasons where good therapy made all the difference. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the courage and the willingness for both of us to speak up and realize we need to reach out for help because mm-hmm. this may be shocking coming from a therapist. There were parts of my life where it's like, I don't want to seek help for that. I know I need to though. Mm-hmm. So better help is one of those options that you can have it really does make life better. It can help deepen your awareness and your understanding because sometimes we just don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we can talk things through. Mm-hmm. And on a marital level, sometimes we don't recognize what the conflict really is. Mm-hmm. We're fighting about why, how you slice tomatoes a certain way or why don't you follow the recipe exactly <laughs> rather than a deeper issue that's going on. Or why don't you follow directions <laughs> in the car, right? Now you're meddling. Yeah. Um, if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential and get out of your ruts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash passionate and you get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash passionate. This is one therapist, once again, recommending other therapists because we all can need and benefit from help at different points in our life. So mm-hmm. reach out and find someone for you. And then this is the last one I think this, that he, he points out, which is I think is really cool because he's talking about, this is where I want to build off of it. Okay. Uh, he's talking about the episode from 611, if I'm remembering right with the wife that wanted to unload her day at the end of the day in the bed because it created better intimacy and connection for her. And husband is like, I don't want to do it in the bed. I want to reserve the bed for other things, not that kind of 
feeling. He wants to do it at other points during the day, but he's also sort of checked out doing some other things as he's unwinding from the day. Yeah. Okay. So he says, in regards to the issues with the lady who wants to offload, I have a few thoughts. First, it's important to note that the husband seems to be able to offload each evening in the way he wants to, like checking out in front of the TV, playing games, which I assume she gets dinner and manages the kids. Don't know. Assumption. He then is ready for intimacy because he's kind of done the margin work, if you will. So I think it's important to say that the current situation is on his terms already, rather than framing the situation as the wife having to have it on her terms or not. Quick caveat. The way I framed it that way was because she was the one that emailed in. Okay. Right? If they both did, we got a different route we can go. Okay. So just add that because I, I always try to believe when our show is going on, we want to answer the emailer. Right. We can't always pers- uh, assume their, their spouse because right. we know there's two sides to every story. Yeah. So there's probably a win-win to be found here if they can focus on each what each of them needs to decompress at the end of the day. He seems to be able to check out and seems to need, and she just seems to need him to simply listen. And I agree that a neutral place for her to do this would probably be best. But we've added, so we too have added a couple chairs in our bedroom, which is something we mentioned mm-hmm. about what we have done. It took me a long time to learn from my wife that what, he, what she wants is just a chance to unload and offload. And he, he, she does that on a drive home. She has about a 30-minute commute. So sometimes if the phone call doesn't happen, we'll sit in the chairs, we'll have a glass of wine and talk. We also do this a Sunday drive in which we do a more in-depth check. And this is what I love, Mm. to discuss schedules, logistics, solve problems, and check on each other's batteries. So we even ask each other, so how's your battery? That's a great question. Yeah. Right? Of just where are you? Yeah. I love that kind of a check-in. So if our collective battery ever gets low or below 50%, we start finding stuff to cut out of our schedules and figure out how, or to figure out how we can recharge. And then we also ask each other, how's your sex life on this, on this, sounds like on this drive? They must be members of state of our union. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, because that is part of, that's built in on a monthly basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, or, or they even add, tell me about the last time you had sex, which I love the framework of both of these mm-hmm. because it's a checking in, not on a we. Right. It's how are you doing? It's checking in on your, on yeah. your spouse. And, and then you, because the whole point to me, and this is where I love how this is built and the way he's framing this is because the whole point of this is this is creating a marriage where there's room for the two of them. Yeah. Individually. Yeah. And so can you see the the depth that is capable of us as people to where if you and I had this conversation about, hey, tell me the last time, tell me about the last time you had sex, you could describe something that could be a little disappointing or hurtful or dis, disagreeing with me because your experience could have been different than mine, even though overall we could have said it was pretty good. But individually we might have been, uh I kind of was upset about this. I kind of... Right, it. right. It's, I mean, it's the same scenario. It's the same event that you guys co-created, right. but, but clearly you had a different experience in it. Uh, and to then, this is what we've talked about a lot of times on different episodes when you're talking about conflict or trying to get to more intimacy and knowing each other better. Right. You have different experiences. And so to at a different time, I love their t- 
timing of you know, Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. going on a drive, um, but some time totally separate, this takes the heat out of it. Right. This Don't do it the in the heat. midst of, or when Don't you're already emotionally of. charged and that elephant is ramped up to bring back in the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing this uh, together, being real intentional about it and being real intentional about what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you do that on a consistent basis, I mean, just like you do with the state of our union where it's a weekly mm-hmm. and then a monthly and then a quarterly with different questions, the whole point there, uh, well, not the whole point, but a lot of the point there is that we're going to talk about these things regularly. Right. It's not just when we had conflict, because so you, if you bring up that question only when you have conflict, well, that makes it even worse because your spouse thinks, well, you're only bringing this up because you yeah. want your way. It's already charged and heated. Yeah, yeah. But if it's something we're discussing regularly and bringing up and showing that we care about one in, one another um, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. it doesn't make those conversations so heated. Right. It's already on the forefront. Right. And by the way, since you've mentioned it a couple of different times, passionatelymarried.net forward slash union is how you find out more about the state of our union. Right. In case anybody was not familiar with that. But this this creates the question to me, Pam, of are is the whole framework of win-win. How does that hit you? And this is not built completely off of what he's talking about or or the feedback, but just the idea of a win-win situations in marriage. How does that land? Well, I, I would say it's possible, but not always. Okay. That, I mean, that's my initial reaction. So what are the things that would make it possible? Uh, two grown-up people that really are... Uh, you know, I'm looking out for me, but I also want for you what you want. So I think it okay. takes a perspective that um, cares about the spouse, cares about what they want, um, and, and I, it it makes me feel good when you get what you want, and I can be help be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But I also enjoy when I get what I want too. <laughs> it's bo- yeah, it's because it's the one thing that's a pitfall about the win-win to me is it's exchange-based in some regards. It is. That's why I'm not saying it's something that can happen all the time. I think there are scenarios where you can have a win-win, but it's probably not. It's not going to be all the time. Right. Well, in the long run, those moments could produce the win-win because I think the win-win becomes it's all contingent on the framework of how you're operating. Because the goal of marriage, in in a lot of ways, if we were to simplify this, is to work out your differences and create room for both spouses to thrive together and independently. Mm, Yeah. Because marriage creates a container. So it's not just about getting your way, but it's also about getting your way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right? Okay. Uh, Because it's getting your preference. It's, It's seeking what you want. It's the collaboration to create something bigger and better for both. So yeah. there's room for both of you yeah. in this relationship. And I think that's the whole framework of the idea of, okay, whose side gets to win out? And that's where we get, I think that terminology immediately turns it into, well, then I must win. Rather than how do we win? Sure. Well, and there's some topics that you're both going to be on the same page. We both do win because we're both heading toward the same goal. True. Sometimes you're not heading toward the same goal. Right. And so when I'm faced those with those issues, then I think our focus is we have to choose between the discomfort of our growing and getting what we not want or not, right? Mm-hmm. And the discomfort of not growing, which is a tension that's going to continue to remain in place. 
Yeah. Right. Go back to this idea of if it's on her terms or she doesn't get her terms, there's tension either way she goes. There's True. tension either way he goes. True. And so he, he can either look at it as, this is the husband in this case, well, I get the way to offload during my day. I already get that. But he has a wife that might be saying, I want to do it this way, which there's tension. Well, and the thing I was, I'll go back to the very beginning of this, you know, he's saying that this, the husband has a, looks like he's taking care of his. For, mm-hmm. It sounded like that was more decompressing. I get the impression she's wanting to, is she wanting to offload and discuss about them and conflicts they have, or is she just think, wanting to unpack the day? I think it was both. From what I remember, I did not go back and look at the email. Yeah, because that's different mm-hmm. than him. Okay, I, I can decompress with some TV and I'm taking care of my thing. Well, that's not addressing issues within the relationship. Right. So, you know, are we talking apples to apples with the way the husband was doing it? With well, what the, but what there is still looking importance for, I don't to know. the margin of, you know, you and I face this. When you come home from a work day or when I come out from after session, it's mm-hmm. how do you re-engage with the environment you're in now? Because you're mm-hmm. in one mode one way and then you come home and it's a different arena. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of times it's really difficult. I, mean, I remember this from way back that uh, in the, the dichotomy between the masculine and feminine energies, that you and your job would be in the masculine a lot taking care of things, solving problems, you know, being on top of stuff, tracking stuff down, managing things. And when you would come home to a household where I didn't have things in order and things set and in place, if not already happening, you had to stay in your masculine when you walked in. But if I come home, if you come home and I've got dinner plans or dinner being made or just a welcoming environment with music on or a candle or you're just different, you are a different person walking in. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's this transition that, I mean, that's a simplification of what we're talking about. But it is, I, it is. But then there's the flip side of now I have that recognition of how I would walk in, in that environment. And now there's also a, a, a goal at least of a changing in me to walk in the door differently. Okay. And that's, that's because the whole concept also, another caveat to add to this is, when we see something, we can change it. If we don't see it, we can't change it. Yeah, yeah. And so and a lot of what I believe we do as a show, and what I do a lot as a therapist even, is I help couples and individuals, and, and our show does this, frame things so you can see it differently. Because when mm-hmm. you see it, you can change it. Exactly. If you don't see it, there's no way you can change it because you don't even recognize. You're just, you're just more on the side of, how do I get this pain to go away? How do I get this frustration to go away? And you don't even recognize your culpability in it. Yeah, see it, accept it, and decide to make a change. I might see it and deny it. Right? <laughs> That's I, fair. I, I think there's a fair amount of people out there that Well, so this leads to the best way it. we can land this, this conversation for the regular content today. Okay. And this is a, a phrase from Jennifer Finlayson Fife that I came across from her. Okay. That says, really loving well asks us to... Rise above our self-justification and comfort. Grow beyond our self-deceptions and entitlement. Transcend our egos and act with deeper honesty and courage. Hmm. Really loving well not only makes your marriage stronger, it makes you stronger. Um, yeah, I can't disagree with that. And I think if we that. look at all of the different things we've talked about recently and the guests we've had on recently are all in this vein. 
Mm-hmm. It, if it's making you stronger and your marriage stronger, you're on the right path. Yeah. If one of those is hurting, that's where you need to start seeing it better to change that. As a quick tease for those that, um, if you heard the extended content, then you already know the answer to this question. But if you didn't catch the extended content, passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy is how you can join to get those later. Um, what style are you? This is to the audience, not to you, Pam. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Although, I mean, no. Well, that's just between us. It's nobody else's business <laughs> what, my sp- what my style is. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but it's because we want to try to have... Uh, upfront, honest conversations about how to frame what goes on in married life. Yeah. Because when we can see what's going on better, we can do better mm-hmm. and not be victim to routine or just comfort of the tyranny of lowest common denominator, right. which is what we all so easily can do. Well, if you like the show, help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a, if you leave a comment and we use your comment on the show, uh, we hook you up with a, a gift from us which is totally worth it. Um, your comments help us spread the word about the show and they help others frame their conversations. Transcripts are available in each of the show notes on the episode's pages. All the advertisers, deals, and discount codes are also available on each of the episode's pages at passionatelymarried.net. Please consider supporting those who support the show. So as you've been going through the time with us today, as the members of the nation, whatever stood out to you, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Start the conversation on YouTube, on Email us on Instagram if you're seeing the clip. However you find us, thank you for hanging out with us. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you next time.